COVID just absolutely changed the world, right? Yeah. Like before COVID, digital nomads, they were a thing. But after COVID, it just, it just blew up. It's a whole different world, right? Mic check. I'm good. Mic check. Mic check. You can read about success all day long. But if you don't put in the work, the mindset, execution, and the hustle behind your vision, it just remains a dream. When everything goes wrong, you have to take all the responsibility. We uncover what high-level entrepreneurs, business owners do to rise up from hustling daily. So do what you feel passionate about. Take chances. The world becomes your library to help you become better at your craft. Join me as I share with you actionable tips to help you grow your business, learn skills, and help you level up in your self-development journey. Your number one spot for business and personal growth growth is the online hustlers podcast with your host Esteban Andrade every day I'm hustling Hey listeners, ¿qué pasó? What's going on, guys? Uh, today we are in the Online Hustlers Podcast with Esteban Andrade, where we're covering REI marketing and conversion. But today we have a special episode, so special because I've been working with these individuals for already for a long time. I've I've seen their growth; they've grown massively to earning a couple couple thousands, five figures per per month, until like multiple six figures per month. But not only that, but achieving live goals. And a lot of you guys here are coming into the entrepreneurship lifestyle to achieve. But sometimes we get lost into this hustle mindset and the grind and working every single day that we do not achieve this type of goals. We do not achieve the goal of traveling. We do not achieve the goal of getting time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom, because we get so into this game that it actually is going to consume us that ultimately we do not get what we want. Okay. But today, Alex and Lisa are a clear example of people that I look up to because they have achieved something that a lot of us want. They want they, we want location freedom. We want time freedom. We want to be running our business, but not our business to run us. And it's today a real crucial day because it's a wholesaling uh, company. And we've been through a lot of different wholesaling companies in this show and real estate investing companies. But these guys, they travel around the world. They absolutely love traveling. The idea of getting new, new to meet new cultures, new languages. They even are having right now a son. And I think this was based off a bunch of tequila and uh, beach days. And uh, it's pretty amazing because we're going to talk about that. Okay. So uh, we're going to have today Alex and Lisa, and we have them right here with us right now. What's, What's going on, guys? Hola, todos. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Awesome. Thanks for the awesome introduction, Esteban. How are you? I'm doing so well. And before we start, guys, if you guys want for me to bring in really good guests, guests like are going to provide so much value and things that you never really heard of, just like and share, just subscribe to this as well and make sure that you share this with your circle, okay? Today, we're going to cover how we're going to transform your life, your wholesaling business into something that you really want to. We have achieved time freedom, location freedom, and ultimately financial freedom. So that those are the three frames that I really want to achieve. And um, I see in Alex and Lisa a lot of different nuggets that can be uh, given to us today. Okay. So Alex, Lisa, you've been working with us for 
you know, we've been working together for a long time. Yeah, it's been years. And uh, I've seen your tremendous growth. Ultimately, uh, at the beginning, Lisa was not necessarily working within. No, she was not working at all. (laughs) Not not working, but not in this business. Yeah. And then she uh, ended up kind of like doing, you guys ended up doing some shifts and things like that. Uh, you guys ended up growing even more. And it's funny because now you're less in the business and you guys grew even more. Seems like you guys were like, like putting yourself in the middle and creating a bottleneck. But then when you guys took a step back, it, it actually made the, the business much better. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's kind of like little things that I have noticed. Uh, but let's go back to exactly what, what you guys are and why people should listen to, to you because people need to understand that the level of business that you have with you, Alex, Lisa, and Victor is something that uh, is very inspirational and people really should follow different different tips and tricks that you guys have done throughout the time, throughout the years. Um, so guys... Tell me all about you. I, I I love that you guys travel so much. Do you guys are having Nico? Nico is it's it's uh it's it's Nico Mexico, like Mexico. <laughs> Mexico, right? Yeah. Right. Where are you guys right now? Are you guys traveling or are you st- are you guys in Seattle right now? We're in Seattle. We're in yeah. Seattle to be closer to the doctors. Yeah, to the yeah. to the healthcare. Uh, yeah. Okay. But obviously, just a few weeks, you guys were in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Love that place, baby. <laughs> Puerto Vallarta. But not only that, you guys love traveling to all different places around the world. I see pictures from you guys on Facebook traveling like every single time. Yeah, it's uh man, it's it's a big, big passion of ours, man. It definitely fuels us, you know. Me growing up, my family, they like my parents moved a lot, you know, kind of fun fact about me. I lived in India when I was two and three. So like that that started me going really, really early. Uh, Lisa was kind of a, a later addition in life when she started traveling, but man, like her, her passion for travel is just crazy. She's got a blog, uh, culturalfoodies.com. If you guys ever want to check it out, and, like, she's, <laughs> yeah, she's got this whole section on like the nomad life and, you know, how to set everything up and then go like that. And so she, I feel like she's even dove past where I'm at with her passion for, for travel. And, you know, she worked for Expedia, which just makes sense, right? It's all, it's all about travel, right? And uh, she sold all kinds of activities and, and uh, tourism and stuff in Hawaii. So that was kind of her, her intro, but yeah, travel is a, is a huge theme for us. And, you know, we decided that, you know, if the business is going to, is going to work, we have to make sure that it fits, you know, it fits our lifestyle, right? It's, we, we, we live once, well, some people think we have multiple lifetimes. That's a, you know, other podcast that we can talk about, but um, man, we got to make the most in this life. You heard that right. Culturalfoodies.com. And she used to work for, or is she, uh, does she still work or she used to work there? In this no, she's not full experience. on in the business now. <laughs> yeah. There you go. For one of the biggest travel agencies, or I don't know if it's more of a tech company, but one of the biggest in the world. And obviously she can bring all this passion. I'm pretty sure she, she, she saw so many people like traveling and having all this type of life and pictures and all these experiences that I'm like, why can I just bring it to myself too? Like, why can I create this with Alex? 
Is that, is that kind of like the process? Like were you when you were working with Expedia, Lisa, like what were you thinking? Like, how can I make this for me? How can I make sure I explore the world as well? Yeah, I mean, this this passion started actually six years ago when we had first met. We were we were hiking in Ross Dam Lake in, in the Cascades here in Washington. And uh, you know, we turned to each other and we said, why don't we just travel on our savings? You know, why don't we just quit our jobs? I was at I was at the Space Needle at the time working in tourism development. Alex was at Boeing. And uh, we just, that kind of planted the seed. And in 2017, we left the country and traveled for half a year. And that's when Alex went, you know, full on in the business. We left our careers and never looked back since. So it's uh, been six years in the making. But we, we said, okay, how can we continue to do this, but as a lifestyle and still continue to earn an income and a passive income whilst we're that's traveling? So. That's amazing. I had your partner in the other podcast. You guys are making uh, multiple six figures right now on the business, on the business, and you have an amazing team that is now allowing you guys to easily do this. But even before you guys were making this uh, amount of revenue and money for your business, you guys were still having this lifestyle. You guys were still trying to create this lifestyle for yourself, and I think it doesn't require a ton crap of money and you become a millionaire in order to do this you just have to do it right and i really want you guys to walk walk us through through this like uh like throughout your first stages of entrepreneurship how how have you guys been able to really create this type of lifestyle a lot of people really are just wondering like oh my god like people are, are just traveling and, and and i'm here in the office and all stressed out and like i can't get out like wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have different perspectives on it, I'm sure, with Lisa, but part of it was uh, necessity, right? So um, when we came back from our, our world travels, uh, I was going to go right into the business. But at that point, the business was uh, was just forming. I wasn't sure how much money it's going to bring. Uh, I was pretty new to wholesaling. And uh, Lisa got a job. Uh, with Expedia in Hawaii. She used to work there before she came to Seattle. We decided, okay, we don't want to live in Seattle. So, so she got a job in uh, Hawaii and uh, I decided, heck yeah, I want to, I want to live in Hawaii, but I, I also want to make this business work. So we figured out a way to make the business uh, work virtually when this is kind of like, you know, early stages, you know, 2017, you know, there was, you know, virtual wholesaling wasn't that wasn't a huge thing at that point, right? Way before COVID. Uh, but we started making it work right, right from there. And then, you know, so uh, I focused in wholesaling on the acquisition side, the things that you could do virtually. And uh, my business partner, Victor, at that time, you know, he was focused on disposition. So he was doing dispositions. Uh, and he was doing mostly virtually as well. So that was kind of that that was the beginning. And guys, you know, the huge money it didn't come later on until you know we actually put more people into the into the business right we surrounded ourselves right from the start uh with a kind of a core team of virtual assistants just like you guys do you know from from the philippines from uh colombia from um, costa rica but we put ourselves as the closers in the business and that was a mistake because we were you know juggling all these other things and we were not the best at, at closing, right? So we were kind of slowing down the business. I think that had we put closers in there as well earlier on, we'd be further along. But 
we're still making it work. And, you know, so I was, I was in Hawaii for, you know, two and a half years. Lisa was working there for Expedia and, you know, we had, we had a, you know, a really great life just uh, living, living there. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I mean, in, in terms of steps of becoming a, a digital nomad, it's, it's actually easier than you might think, but the things that kind of get in the way are if you have a family or a dog or a house, right? So if you have a house, you have several options. You can rent it, uh, you can sell it, but I mean, don't do that, you know, buy and hold, right? That's the rule in real yeah. estate. Um, you can Airbnb it, right? So really the factors that that I think deter people from, from living this lifestyle really is if they have a family or if they're care, you know, taking care of someone elderly, that can be a challenge. But if you're, you know, relatively free without um, responsibilities in one place, then what we found was that it's significantly cheaper to live abroad and uh, have you know a U.S. income and be able to utilize that in other countries. So um, really, it's just about getting yourself set up, getting really good internet, getting a good accommodation, having a, a stable place to work from, and then really setting that boundary of when is my playtime and when is my work time. And we found that, especially in Europe, where we were anywhere between eight and 12 hours ahead of Seattle, we would wake up late and we would have the whole day to explore. And then we'd work from like four or 5 p.m. until 1 a.m. in the morning. And it was the yeah. best schedule, right? This oh. is before before the pregnancy, before we have kids. It worked really well for us. So we really enjoyed that, that it felt like we had a better work-life balance than we do here in Seattle. You know what's crazy? I was uh, I was traveling in in Italy, and I kind of have the same feelings as you guys because um, I am in the Eastern Time Zone, and obviously mm -hmm. I have clients on Central Mountain and Pacific Time Zone. But when I was in Italy, I was able to because I wanted to explore. I did not wake up late because I wanted to explore, but I woke up early enough to explore during the day, enjoy the day in Italy. Yeah. And then right at like maybe three or 4 PM and, and I, I still me having a team, I would go log in and do my things. The things yeah. that they started to, to kind of slow down already in Italy, you know, it's already getting later. Yeah. And you're working out perfectly. You're in another part of the world and you created this digital systems that can work remotely and even even you can also say, oh, I'm just going to take the, the night off. I'm going to go for a bar and get to know the nightlife, too, because like when you have a team, you can do that. But at the same time, you can just go log in at this day, at this time of the day after you have enjoyed your time. So that's that was that's kind of like my story in Italy. And it was the first time in Europe in such a like different time zone. Mm -hmm. so that's pretty amazing yeah. that you guys have that. Uh, so. That, that, that was kind of like the basics. Make sure that you have a good setup and everything. Um, obviously, uh, have you created blogs around this uh, to help people kind of like understand like what are the best uh, setups or things like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have everything oh, from man. like ergonomic workstations to how to pack and what to bring with you. So we are not light packers. I'll tell you that much because when we go somewhere, we live there for anywhere from one to eight months, right? Mm -hmm. So we have these two huge suitcases my husband is two meters tall or six foot seven. <laughs> yeah. So his shoes take up one suitcase alone, but we have all our digital nomad equipment in, in one suitcase. And that's really Gotta yeah, have this this thing, extendable, man. Dude, <laughs> adjustable. If you don't yeah. have this for traveling, like for working remotely, man, this will, like this thing is <laughs> freaking the bomb guys. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. For people yeah. listening to the audio, this is kind of like an uh, like a like a base for your laptop where you can like adjust height, yeah. uh, an adjustable height stand for your laptop. Mm -hmm. I just got one actually, and I wasn't even thinking about like just uh, hey, how can I make an, an, a nomad type of thing? But I've seen a lot of my friends on Instagram, and I just got it. Okay. Yeah. So the equipment is so crucial in order to do this. Um, like, what would you say is other key takeaways or key crucial things in order to get set up properly here? Yeah, I would say that the, the first thing we look at when we go to a new country before we even book it is uh, digital nomad working, co-working spaces. And so finding a good co-working space that has also private rooms to take, you know, phone calls and video calls, it's not in a communal space is really key. And then visiting those places first. And that's also a great way to meet new people when you arrive in a new country. Um, and also, great. Yeah. 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 It's a great way to meet other entrepreneurs, other business owners. Um, it's just kind of like free networking. <laughs> so that's always how I like to start. Yeah. Okay. I think um, for me, I think it's important to like travel on a Saturday. So you get yeah. to a place on a Saturday so you set can, yourself up. you can be already set up, you know, so you can check the internet, check everything, everything is good to go so that, you know, when you're ready on Monday, man, you're not having any technical issues and you're already going hundred miles per hour. So it's all, you know, it's all good. So you make yeah. the decision of, of living for like one month to eight months. Right. And mm -hmm. when you choose a country or a place, um, how do you determine like how long I'm going to stay there? Oh yeah, that's a good one. it's a really good question. There's no, <clears throat> there's no science or formula behind it. It's kind of we usually book just two weeks at a time because when you you never know, right? When you get there, you might have like a yowling cat outside your room or a neighbor upstairs who sings opera at two a.m. You just don't know these things until you get there, right? So we we never lock ourselves into a place more than two weeks, and then we can always extend, right? And we were really lucky to travel during COVID when people still were not traveling widespread yeah. internationally. So we were able to book things very last minute. Now it's a little bit uh, different climate in the travel industry. It's starting to come back, but um, you know, with platforms like Airbnb or booking.com or hotels.com um, there's a, a lot of options. So if you don't like one place, you can just get a different place and then you just kind of feel how you like it. You know, sometimes yeah. we would arrive to a place and we're like, no, we're not really feeling this. And then we'd, we'd move on. And sometimes we'd arrive with the intention of staying for a month and we stayed for two months. So, yeah. and a good hack guys is uh, once you get to a place, you know, if you get the Airbnb just for a week or two weeks, uh, oftentimes you can negotiate directly yeah. with, with the, the host. host. So you'll get way better rate. Um, also most big, you know, international destination cities, they all have um, Facebook groups where you can connect directly with <clears throat> hosts or you can find a leasing agent who will help you, you know, get a much, much better rate than you would otherwise. And we have friends in, you know, in Mexico this year, Playa just blew up. Playa was super hot. Mexico City, Puerto Vallarta. And, um, you know, using the service, we were able to get, you know, places for pretty much half the price, you know, like 2,500 bucks for, for an apartment that otherwise goes for 5,000, right? So like you'll save a ton of money if you do that, that little hack right there. Wow, that's amazing. How many countries, I mean, which countries, if you can list them, like have you guys been in the last few years? And sure. cities, places. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so we started in the Azores Islands off the coast of Portugal. 
By the way, that is an amazing destination. Oh, guys, yeah, that's an unknown hidden gem. It's hidden four gem. and a half hours by plane from Boston or basically anywhere on the East Coast. And it is inexpensive. The people are not so friendly, but it's kind of, I would say, a mixture of the Big Island of Hawaii, Iceland, and Ireland. It's a beautiful, beautiful, um, you know, little chain of islands there. Um, so Portugal. We went and if you love surfing, yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, really nice surfing spot. Great surfing spot. You know, location also great for wine. They got like seven or eight different islands all in one place, and each one is quite different. Active volcanoes, just a crazy beautiful place. Yeah. And again, this is the Azores Island. In Portuguese, it's Azores, but it's A Z O R E S. Um, but the best, I would say, the best digital nomad places were definitely Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. Um, Istanbul in Turkey was phenomenal. I mean, that is like a hot spot for digital nomads, and it is cheaper than Mexico. We were blown away by how affordable it is to, to spend a, a little, a lot of time there. Um, we went to the Balkans yeah. and, uh, Western Europe primarily. Yeah. Italy. We love, we love, love, love Italy. Italy's not a good digital nomad location. Though, yeah. I will say yeah. That, yeah. that is probably the worst place to go if you're trying to get some work done. Internet, internet <laughs> is tough guys. I would, yeah. I would make sure Everything is slower down. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Esteban, when you were in Italy, how was your experience with, with internet and things? Honestly, it was definitely challenging. Like it was like, not only everything was super small that obviously I will have, uh, the person that I was traveling with, which is my girlfriend right there. And she just speak, we have the dogs, we have like, you know, different things happening and, uh, the internet sometimes will just get stuck, but, um, Luckily enough, I had paid for Google Fi, which had helped oh, me. Oh, yeah. Uh, helped really me recommend. With, yeah. Yes, with the internet. And I would put my phone and it has a limited internet. So that helped me. But with the laptop itself, it was definitely challenging itself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good thing that I have a great team. Good thing I have a great team. Guys, another thing that is absolutely like crucial now that like I figured out, highly recommend it. Get a bundle of, of these guys. Cords. 60, <laughs> 60 foot internet cords and Amazon, man. It'll, it'll definitely save your life because even if you get really slow, shitty internet with Wi-Fi, you plug in that baby, it'll, it'll give you at least double or three times the, the speed that you get otherwise. So, yeah. What is the airport security going to be like, what are you going to do with that amount of money? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a 60-foot. Maybe a 10-foot is fine. Oh, you never know, man. You, you, want, you want that 60. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Obviously, you guys have a, a biased... Uh, right now, it's a biased opinion on Puerto Vallarta right now because you guys got, uh, have had Nico in there, right? Well, that was Playa. <laughs> that was on the other side. That was, that was Playa. But we lived in Puerto Vallarta for several months. Okay, yeah. got you, got Like you. our second home. <laughs> yeah, Puerto Vallarta is great, especially for folks coming from the West Coast. Um, very close. Any central, you know, in the Midwest, just because you got you got more direct flights from there to, you know, to U.S., to Canada, than to Mexico or any other locations. And the airport is super efficient, small, you get in and like three hours later, you can be in LA four and a half, you're, you know, Seattle, Salt Lake City, Chicago, you know, of course, East Coast as well. So yeah, very, very convenient. It's just a beautiful, beautiful spot. Yeah, I know one person that is currently living down there absolutely loves it. And the food seems incredible. Oh, and just the weather and the, just the entire land, landscapes that it provides. 
Uh, but I'm always going to say that you should try Colombia as well. Yeah, yes. here's the plug for Colombia. Medellin <laughs> <laughs> is the new hotspot. <laughs> it is the new hotspot. All right. So, guys, let's go back to the nuggets. Let's go back to the uh, uh, the different tips and, and tricks that you guys have learned throughout the throughout the time and you guys can give us. Obviously, there's a lot of blogs can, that can be read by Lisa, uh, again, from her uh, blogging site. And that gives a lot of different things. But one of the things that I really like to know is once you guys are traveling and you guys own a property, you guys own real estate in in the US, uh, I'm like, okay, like I'm going to keep paying rent. I'm going to keep paying the mortgage. Like, uh, like I have so many things in here and, and probably I just don't want to sell them or whatever that is. Like, what do I do? Like, for example, right now, uh, if I were to be moving to another country for a few months and then continuously doing that, how do I do with all the pe- things that I have acquired here? Like even just like the lighting or, you know, this thing here, like what do I do with them? Like how can you handle that? Man, that's that's a great question. I think a lot of it comes to the, you know, principles and philosophy. You know, my personal philosophy is like... If minimalism. My, well, minimalism <laughs> and also if my space is not being used... It's like wasted. it's a waste, right? That's why, like, I love I love Airbnb platform. I love VRBO. You know, having having somebody in my home live there, uh, it just makes a lot of sense. Like, even if they didn't pay me the money, I wouldn't want my space to just go sit there unused. That that just doesn't feel good to me. Uh, but before I got, you know, I got I got started, man. Before like you know, Airbnb hacking got into a thing. Like, I I actually uh, rented out my uh, apartment on Airbnb. You just have to be, you know, obviously you have to be careful making sure that, you know, your HOA or whatever doesn't doesn't really, you know, slap your hands. But you can always, you know, claim innocence once or twice uh, because that can, you know, definitely help you save quite a bit of money. Uh, the other thing that I would highly recommend, guys, uh, regardless where you are, get to know a good handyman because mm-hmm. they can do miracles for you, man. My my best moving experience was when I was, you know, early on in the, in the business. I was visiting LA with a friend for the weekend and my handyman moved all my stuff from one apartment to the other apartment. And that was great, man. I paid 450 bucks and I didn't have to think about anything. I came in there and it was like, everything was set up. You know, it's like, dude, life, life is so much better if you have people in your life that, that are like that. So definitely, you know, and it comes back to just, well, you know, Esteban always says, you know, talk to people, network with people because people are better than money. They'll help you in situations. So that that's kind of, you know, my take on it. Uh, now we're a little bit different. So Lisa can, can tell you a little bit more. If you're a little bit more established and you have your own place, then kind of different considerations. You want to talk about? Well, I would say, yeah. I mean, I would say still, um, and that's something that, that Alex and I always talk about is when we get our, you know, $1.5 million home and we customize it the way we want, I, I'll be a little scared to to just open it up to Airbnb, right? Because it's all our personal belongings and artwork and whatnot. But I think if you properly vet, you know, the, the types of people that are staying and you know have that travel in common, you can definitely find some good some good tenants or some long term tenants. You can also, um, you know, if you're going to be gone for a long time, you can have a minimum stay on Airbnb of thirty days and, and go with that, so that it's not such a a quick turnover. So. Yeah, and so. If, if, for example, someone just wants to completely go in a full year or not full year, I don't think that maybe 
you can go to a full year in a country because maximum is like six six months for most countries, right? Yeah. Right. Right. But let's say they want to do like a full year, like mm-hmm. in Travel. South America or or Europe. Um, would you recommend people to put stuff in a storage place or just Airbnb the place? That's a really good question. It, um, probably some things will have to go in storage if they're really valuable, or you could have uh, one room or one closet that's lockable. Um, or if you have a storage, you know, unit in your own space, put the valuables in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know, as long as as you're comfortable having other people live in the home and just kind of put the personal belongings um, siloed in, in one area, then it's, it's probably better to Airbnb it that way because then you're not paying for an additional, uh, you know, storage space. We've done both options, but, uh, we find that just having a, you can even have a, we opened a, a bank account with a, what do you call that? A safety deposit box. Yeah. So just yeah. put your, you know, your jewels and whatever you have in, in that small box and everything else is fine. Yeah, pretty much all local banks will have a safety deposit box you can get. I think it's like, I don't know, 40 bucks for a year, yeah. depending on the size, could be a little bit more. But it'll save you a lot of the headache. Put anything that's super valuable in there, you know, then you know you're good. Uh, I would recommend getting, you know, finding a property manager who wants a little bit of a side income so that, you know, if anything, they, they can be your point of contact if you're Airbnb-ing your place and you're doing the self-management. But something happens and you really need need help and you can you know look have call them up and they can they can help you a buddy of mine hooked me up with his property manager and she's been absolutely fantastic and she's just trying to get her business going so it's been a a really good setup you know when you're away you can you can always kind of rely on on that too you know to help you out yeah well guys obviously if people here uh, that most of them own businesses are or our entrepreneurs that currently having a, a W2, the listeners here, they obviously want to travel. They obviously want to get to know new places, new culture, new food. Uh, but sometimes, obviously, it sounds like, wow, it, it sounds like it, you got to put a lot of into, into thinking and how to make sure that this is coordinated well. They'll be like, why sometimes even bother when I'm, I'm like comfortable, right? Like right now here in my U.S., or Canada house and um, and you and yeah you can sometimes go and in the Airbnb you have set up a, like uh, configured your sound proven system you have a great uh, extensions for for you to work for example downloading crisp for example having great headsets for example having uh, great timing on the time zone maybe you can set up different good calendar for yourself and you know and and things like that but sometimes is just people not taking the action of doing that because it's like, wow, it just seems like it's too much. Why do you guys do that? Like, why do you guys ha- came into this into this lifestyle? Like, what is really good about it from your end? Because it's so worth it at the end of the day, but why for you guys? You want to take a shot at it first? <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this lifestyle is not for everyone and that's totally okay. <laughs> I think Alex and I are a little bit on the extreme of like, we don't like being in one place for a long time. We feel stagnant and so we feel really inspired by uh, new environments all the time. That could change when we have a baby. Ask us in, yeah. in six months from now. When Nico grows out, yeah. Yeah, right. But uh, I think, you know, for maybe a lot Nico, of people, Maybe Nico can become Nico the Explorer and be like, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's our 
goal. Um, but I think, you know, for me, I was not, I was not always into traveling. Um, I think it, it, uh, once you do it once and find, Oh, this is amazing. Then you're more inspired to do the next one. So my, uh, my recommendation to folks who have never done a long-term travel before or live abroad before would be, uh, of course, do the research. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of blog posts out there. Um, but I would do a trial. So maybe uh, one month and just choose a location and go there for one month and stay in one place and just try it out, test it out, test the waters. Uh, it is, it can be a lot of coordinating. I love that though. So that's my whole background is so I would look, I would, you know, Alice would book the flights. I'd book the accommodation. I'd figure out all the things to do. Um, that's not everybody's cup of tea. And so you can always just go someplace and uh, some folks like to travel as to where some folks like to really just live there, like local, have a gym membership, have their community of friends, have the same restaurants that they go to. Both ways are fantastic. But I would say a good way to start is just do that one trial of, of a month and see how you go. So living a digital nomad lifestyle right now, what has unlocked you guys in your in your life in, 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 in any aspect of your life? What has allowed you guys to unlock? Mm. Well, I think the, the thing that jumps into to, to my mind is that COVID just absolutely changed the world, right? Yeah. Like before COVID, digital nomads, they were a thing. But after COVID, it just, it just blew up. It's a whole different world, right? Mm. People want to do business um, the way they want to do it, right? A lot of people are saying, hey, I'm not going to go back to the office. I've tasted this life. This is what life should be all about. And, um, you know, now technology allows us to, to work remotely, right? So... Um, during the, the pandemic, Lisa, you know, she lost her job at Expedia because at first all the travel shot down. Right. Uh, but then she got a she got a job with this uh, luxury travel company where she was setting up trips for, you know, seven, ten figure uh, individuals with like, you know, jets and all that. And with this company, they're like, yeah, you can you can work anywhere you want. So she started to work actually from Puerto Vallarta. So I would say that, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or even if you're if you have a W-2 job, um, I think if you got the talent and also got the courage, tell your boss, look, this is what I want. I'm going to be working remotely and, you know, you can you can be anywhere in the world as long as you got that fast Internet connection uh, and you got the setup. People these days, they, they don't care so much. Where are you at? Right. What's the difference if you're working from home? in you know in miami or chicago or seattle or in mexico city you know doesn't make a difference and funny thing you know guys we've seen faster internet speeds on the azores <laughs> islands or in, in, Vallarta in seattle than in seattle and like i was on calls where like people in like i don't know chicago they're having internet issues i'm like you know it, it doesn't it doesn't matter right i think i think now we live in a in a different world Another thing I'll say that has been really motivating for me, um, I, I do not come from an entrepreneurial background, so it's been really fun to be an entrepreneur within my husband's business that has now I've adopted as my own because I feel like such a big contributor. 
um, is that when you travel abroad, especially to digital nomad locations where there's other people like us, other business owners, you're meeting folks from all over the world who have started their own businesses in other countries. And so you learn best practices along the way that maybe are really different in the US versus Europe versus Japan, for example. So it, that is really motivating for me to not only learn about the cultural differences um, and, and people's upbringings, but how does that translate into business ownership? And what are the commonalities and what sort of things can we share? And you'll be surprised, you know, if you're in, depending on what a lot of folks who are listening are in the real estate space, that's really, I mean, that's pretty big all over the world, but you might find your next investor, right? In Portugal, you might find your next investor in Mexico. And so that's really fun to just branch out of, of your country and find that there are so many uh, business owners around the world going through the same struggles we are, going through the same wins we are. And so it's fun to come together and find best practices in that regard. And I think something to add here is not only like uh, maybe investors and things like that, but uh, I've been in places where, oh my God, this person is servicing me or like giving me such a great customer experience. Do you want to hire them? I want to, I want to talk to you, interview you and, and you know, yes. scrap you, yes. you know, come to Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, That's it's yeah. Our life has become about like recruiting people everywhere. <laughs> That's right. Like, isn't that like amazing that when you travel, you can be in, almost hiring mode all the yeah. time because yeah. there's people that do not earn the money that they deserve or that yeah. they can whenever working for an American company. And now mm -hmm. as a virtual assistant, but in reality, they will be just a virtual, like uh, just virtual employee that has mm -hmm. the same capabilities, the same mm -hmm. skill set. It's going to cost less for the business, but mm -hmm. it's, it's going to be better for this individual because now they're earning more uh, remote opportunity, right? U.S. company, amazing owners. So that's another thing, another thing that I have uh, seen that I can do. And, and I have learned that from friends that, uh, like you guys mentioned, Medellin is another hotspot, uh, that the people have been moving to Medellin and they are always like looking, always mm -hmm. like recruiting, always mm -hmm. asking the right questions. Hey, and then I've been to Medellin and I see my friends being like, hey, you know, make sure that you, you interview this person. Make sure that you get a link to our calendar. <laughs> this guy is having such a great uh, English and, and customer experience. When we went to Costa Rica, same thing. It's like, hey, let's make sure that we get him on, on an interview. Maybe we'll be able to get him someone better our interest and in, for him to get paid more on what he does. Right. So I think that's a, a, a huge opportunity to attract talent. I mean, just get talent itself. Mm -hmm. And along with that, I think Esteban, you, you'll probably you know resonate with this. Um, let's say even if you go travel and you don't meet somebody you're going to hire right there and then it seems like, you know, the way the real estate businesses and, you know, online businesses, everybody's going is we're finding talent abroad, right? And we're hiring. So when Lisa is hiring on Indeed in Mexico and she she talks to, you know, potential team members and she can connect with them and say, oh, yeah, you know, heck, yeah, I, I, I know Guanajuato. We visited there like a year and a half ago. And like, man, I love this part of town and like this, this taco stand is just amazing. And you can connect on such a level with Personal somebody level, yeah. 
it's you're you're getting that talent right because there's a there's a war going on for talent right now to snag talent it's it's hard right and so if you're getting that additional advantage of like hey i know your culture i've been to your hometown i'm a cool person yeah you're you're winning right there 100 and i think that uh so far in the last year that uh my for example my company being able to connect and have really rock stars is because not only I'm able to connect in their cultural level, the language and everything, uh, but I also, I know what they want and know what they would appreciate and know how to connect them. Right. And also can pay them more than what they, you know, they will get paid uh, overall. And, and where, that's is, that, where is your team mostly based? My, is it- my team. So this is how my team is, is, uh, is actually comprised. My team is like this. I have my media team in Mexico and partially us okay so i have a great uh graphic designer video animator from mexico okay mm-hmm. lives very close to mexico city i have my uh video uh i mean my content director she is part time but she is more of an intern she's in the us uh, but currently there's another one in Colombia that she's learning all about copywriting. She studied psychology in Colombia. She's currently doing psychology, speaks perfect English because they lived in Canada. So she, she's going to go inside the media team. She's also doing social media outreach. We have uh, a customer success managers slash coaches. One is in Mexico. I forgot exactly what the city is. But she, uh, she's in Mexico. We have one in Bogota. He is amazing, has a tremendous amount of experience being leader in call centers. And he mm-hmm. also is like always learning and so into the American culture. So that's in Bogota. And we have uh, another one in Bogota that started from the beginning with me. That's actually my cousin. So another Bogota person. Yeah. And she, I, I hired her when she was like, 17 or 16 or something like that yeah she started doing like a a a va role of like just sending messages here and there and that now she's like a systems lead so she's learned so much and we also have someone in the philippines who is an amazing individual but it's funny sometimes because they call me uh boss esteban miss you know miss Miss Paula, uh, that's the one, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you don't have to call me that, you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she's the only one from the Philippines that we currently have, and we love her. Uh, we we also have um, one that is local to here, and we also have. I'm not. I wish I'm not. I hope I'm not forgetting anyone, but we also have people in India that is our advertising team. Obviously, you know, very tech savvy and oriented. India, Pakistan, and things like that. Uh, but we're currently only hiring in remote uh, Latinos uh, mm-hmm. right now, or putting efforts into it. And then a key place where I where we hire is South Africa too. As what? long as South as Africa, as long as, long as they have a good internet, and as long as they have a power supply, because in oh. South Africa oh. the power goes out randomly yeah. sometimes. Uh, it's South Africa is a place where the English colonized, they have great accent. It actually sounds fa- fancy. It's like English and, yeah. um, and they have great culture. They're really great people. They would be really great in customer experience, customer success, even marketing sales and actually anything that you can train them on. 
Uh, the only problem is that they just get into the shutdowns. Like it could be two hours, two hours in a row, or it could be two, t four hours, two times, two different times in the day. And so you have to have, they have to have a power, a power supply mm -hmm. in order for this. Wow. How much, how much does one of those cost for them? You know? Yeah. Uh, w one, one good one would probably cost from 400 to 600 bucks and it will last forever. And it will also be, be give, giving power for like six to nine hours straight if they were to. What we do is like, okay, you, if you don't have a power supply and you're freaking amazing, then we're, we're going to make sure that, uh, we, we, we get you a power supply, but it, this is like a two way scenario, right? Cause uh, we, we don't hire them as employees right away. First is independent contractors. So you mm -hmm. have to make sure that you're also invested into this and that you also are putting skin in the game because we're obviously taking a risk here of giving mm -hmm. you the big power supply for the people that have been a long time they don't have power supply with us then we do uh we also we do like a 50 50 split on this uh because like ultimately it is going to help you because now you're going to work as a remote employee your whole life mm -hmm. uh, and but we obviously want to hire always people that have invested into this because they already know that it's the mm -hmm. remote lifestyle right mm -hmm. so that's the way that we're hiring right now on south Af in south africa uh south africa it's great a place to yeah 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 lisa can can talk on on hiring all day long she's our she's our chief happiness officer uh <laughs> a, a hr you know hr specialized recruiter and um i don't know if, do you guys use indeed in south africa yeah yes yeah. indeed is yeah. used in south africa and i've hired a lot of people from uh indeed actually indeed is is super crucial and it's very highly utilized in South America mm -hmm. as well too. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that you can create really good funnels for hiring uh, in, in, because Indeed is kind of like uh, intent-based basically, right? It's like kind of like the Google of the marketing because right. people are usually searching unless you reach out to someone, right? Uh, but you can create a good funnel in Indeed so that you can quickly filter and pre-qualify these individuals and then ultimately get them into the type of interviews that you, that you have. So for example, like for customer success managers, which could be, for example, the same type of skill set of a lead manager or a slash follow-up specialist, mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, what, what is a funnel with video. So for example, we ask them to submit a video of the things that they've done or through some questions that we have them. Uh, obviously they have to give us some information. We don't necessarily always ask for the CV because indeed they can just like upload it real quick there, but then they have to go to a secondary step of like, uh, we use myinterview.com or something like that, or, uh, or the, um, there is a, uh, video ask, or there is different, uh, video, uh, survey companies or softwares that you can ask question and they will just do a video so that they can show us not only how they express themselves and how they handle the, com the, the, the question, uh, but also that they have all obviously amazing English and everything. Uh, and they go through this, they have, must go through this in order to get considered. And then we obviously book the screening interview. So there's different things that we have uh, learned to do real well for different type of positions. Uh, mm. that's, that was pretty good.
Yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, we we use uh, Lisa uses Airtable, so she set up the whole you know the whole hiring process like you were talking about in Airtable. And uh, I don't know if you guys use assessments. We find that uh, the predictive index assessment is helping us really, really figure out, you know, is this person going to be a long-term fit? Are they going to, you know, really flourish in, in this position? Uh, I think that that makes a lot of sense kind of looking at that. And also, you know, of course, each company is different. So figuring out what are your top uh, qualities that you're looking for in the team member is is going to help you as well, especially if you have already a big pool of team members that you've you've hired and you know, okay, who are who's successful, who's not, figure out who's successful, look at those traits. So then you can kind of screen for them right up front. But yeah, I just like you're saying, Esteban, yeah, indeed is is uh, absolutely the the tool to use right now for for hiring international talent. It seems like you know yeah. there. One hundred percent. I mean uh, I love to ask you guys how you guys are currently having your hiring process and and system, uh, but uh, for us it's been highly profitable, indeed, and Facebook. All right. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, Facebook for hiring. Interesting. Yes, yeah. uh, we're running ads on Facebook. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <order> to hire. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we run ads on Facebook to hire people again with a funnel pre-qualification and everything. Um, and uh, obviously it's still like a little bit sensitive in terms of that Facebook uh, doesn't like housing, doesn't like politics, doesn't like uh, like uh, the employment uh, category because it's very sensitive. Uh, ever since like Facebook has been getting more restrictions and policies, it's very sensitive on how you got to do it because you cannot bait and switch ever mm. con uh, contractors or employees. Like, if Facebook actually notices that you're baiting and switching employees, they can like shut you down like real fast, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, you know, it happens because like people say like, you can, for example, say on Facebook, Oh, earn $2,000 per month. Right. To a Colombian person. Right. And they're like, wow, that's good amount of money. Like yeah. that's an amazing amount of money. Mm -hmm. And then, but then you go in the funnel and you say, okay, no, starts at $600. That's kind of like a bait and switch. And mm. people can get rich on that, especially because it's for employment opportunity. And, and Facebook is able to do that. So you have to be very, very like uh, particular. Yeah. And you have to be really good in the way that you craft your offer uh, whenever right. you're having something. So, for example, the one way that we do with Facebook ads is... We not only have a picture of someone that is happy in a working place, and we say like, we're looking for customer success managers, for example, 90% uh, plus English of level, uh, earn up to uh, $2,000 with bonuses and commissions uh, or plus commissions. Uh, and it, it has to be, for example, experience only. And then, and then like we have the creative, we make sure that the funnel says there is a range. We will hire you depending on your experience from $700 to $2,000 per month of opportunity of what you can earn, plus bonuses, plus commissions, so that people are understanding exactly what is what really it entails. And the message is very clear, like the ad copy is very clear as well, not only in the top of the funnel, and the creative, but also in the funnel itself. 
Uh, and the funnel could be just like a survey using JotForm or something like that that ha- explains exactly what is you know going on. Or it could be click funnels, it could be whatever that is, and then it goes through like a pre-qualification survey uh, that has several steps, right, including those video things that I told you. So those are really good things, and obviously the follow-up is really important. Um, man, it sounds like you can start a recruiting business uh, from the Facebook side of things, yeah. man. Because I, As I know a matter that- of fact, guys, thank you for that. You guys are telling me this. We just really recently started RemoteLatinos.com. Oh, <laughs> nice. There you go. So it's a yeah. platform to find talent? It's a platform that we can help. Uh, now we're focusing on real estate, uh, real estate professionals, real estate businesses to f- help them recruit and place talent in their inside their company. Right. So we've been testing it with internally with some clients and it's work, been working well. We've also we've been testing it with, with agencies and it's been working really well. Uh, now we're putting it out there for the masses very soon. Uh, we're going to start running ads on that because remotelatinos.com. I cannot believe it got that domain. <laughs> Man, that is yeah. amazing, dude. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I can tell you like, so, you know, we're part of Collective Genius. I don't know if you've heard of it, but that's that's a pretty big, you know, mastermind in, in the wholesale space and uh, real estate holding space. And uh, there, I don't remember the name of the company right now, but they're running, you know, uh, hire for you lead managers. And I think their charge is like 15000 per hire. So I'm sure that, you know, with your service, you can be very competitive with that, you know, not charge as much, but 15,000. They charge 15,000 per placement. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I want to charge that amount. <laughs> exactly. man. So don't, don't be humble, man. There's people, you know, there's people paying that. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty amazing. All right. So how's your currently, I mean, you guys have a remote team right now. Like you guys have like, yeah that are in the US. How does that work with you guys? Yeah. Um, Lisa, do you want to give an overview of our our team? So we have right now 28 team members in nine countries around the world. (laughs) So that's double what we had last year. So we're growing rapidly. Um, And we have uh, a division, you know, in dispositions where you're working with investors. So we have several folks who are here in Washington on the ground. Uh, but everyone else is remote. And I will say that, you know, as but even folks in Washington, everybody is virtual. Right. Oh, Everyone's wow. virtual. Yeah. No office just yet. But um, I will say that as as amazing as virtual companies are, sometimes it can be, especially for key leaders, it can be more productive to meet in person. So what we've instilled as of about two years ago is our key leaders will meet once a quarter in person together. We usually book an Airbnb and we stay overnight. So we have bonding time. It's usually about five, five days. And that really has helped us uh, mastermind the next quarter, the rest of the year, and really implement uh, those things that are harder to make time for during the day when you're in the business so much and you're you're all virtual, right? So it, it gives you some time and space to be together with the key, you know, folks who are leading the company to have that same vision and, and then run with it. So I will say, um, you know, if, for folks who are virtual, as you're expanding your team, especially at your team of managers and leaders, it is really important to uh, have that physical proximity uh, for that inspiration, that motivation. It doesn't have to be once a week or anything like that, it's whatever works for you, but uh, at least once a quarter is really helpful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, if you want to know the way we're structured, so on the acquisition side, um, our marketing analysts, everything, of course, starts with marketing. You know, that's the the, the blood in the business. Um, we have 
marketing specialist in the Philippines. We've been working with her for six years, just phenomenal, right? And I think, you know, that's that's a really good opportunity to look for Filipinos or somebody in Southeast Asia maybe to run that side because, you know, English doesn't have to be as good. Then on the, uh, the lead manager side, we got a gentleman in Jamaica, love the guy. Uh, we got a lady in Guyana, and that's a little fun fact, guys. Guyana is the only country in South America where the native language is English. Oh. It's a small country. I think there's only like 600,000 people there, man, but amazing talent comes from Guyana. Um, and then we got um, a guy in uh, in Mexico, in Baja, California. So that's the acquisition. Then uh, acquisition managers, we got two of them. That's where they're, you know, they're U.S.-based, but they're virtual. Uh, one in Seattle, one in Boise. And then on the disposition side, we got uh, Argentina, Colombia, Colo- and Mexico, Colombia, Mexico, Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For so, disposition, uh, you have them, um, the Latinos. Now, are they also negotiating or like dealing with the, with the buyers uh, in like a sales level? Mm-hmm. So they will. Yeah. Some of them will renegotiate if, if, we, if they need to. Uh, Primarily, we have our closers do the renegotiation, mm-hmm. but you know, sometimes recently on a deal, just right, you know, last week, we had our uh, acquisition manager renegotiate, get a forty thousand dollar reduction. Then followed by a, our lady, we love her from Costa Rica. She negotiated some more. She got another sixty k reduction on top of that, right? So, yeah, it's definitely a skill that they can learn and develop. So they're they're doing that, um, and then you know. We supplement that we we have you know another virtual worker here who can go out on in person if they need to, and that's kind of you know sometimes the glue that you know, on some tough transactions you just you just need that you know, so you can have that you know that person be the runner that kind of jumps into into fires where, where they need to, and then with Lisa on the, you know on the hiring side we got an amazing rock star in Mexico to uh, to help with recruiting as well. Mm-hmm. It Where? Took really five months to find him, but he's in Querétaro. <laughs> so, so she's helping with the recruitment, like basically, like a like a part time or full time recruiter in your team. Full time, yeah, yeah, yeah. recruiting. Yeah, love that. Yeah, I've been I've, I've been looking for that. That's why, like, I I actually I I saw there was there was opportunity because it was a big bottleneck for clients. Uh, because we would send them leads, we would send them appointments. And we would send them like this amazing like lead cycle conversion cycle, but then they would just they will just have no idea how to grow. They will stop following up, stop you know growing, and and they will just get so you know just frustrated or overwhelmed that they had so much to do a little time, and they don't never hire people. They never really knew what are the next steps. So we saw it as a bottleneck that we can also help. That's why we, I started creating like, hey, let's, let's do something about it. Eventually, I tried to find someone in Colombia, couldn't find it for a long time. Uh, try to find someone in other countries to help me recruit. It was like this ever long lasting thing, not only for my team to recruit people, for my team, but also to help my clients until I found someone that is located in Colombia He's American uh, and yeah. he's living right now in Medellin. And now we partner up because like he's so passionate about placing people and giving people jobs, but not only other 
businesses get amazing people from all over the, all over the world. Now we can call it remote Latinos. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the biggest things. Uh, guys, you mentioned. Sorry. That's exciting, man. Yeah, that's exciting that you're bringing that that value to to the marketplace because a lot of people, you know, they hear about, oh, you know, I have I have a virtual team, but like, how do I go about finding it? And it's so, you know, it's so work intensive. If you try to do, you know, the whole thing from so from soup to nuts yourself, yeah, it's it's a lot I, of work. I have paid about four four or five different recruiters already. Um, a lot of them they have worked. Some of them they haven't worked. And it's a lot of money and it's a lot of like uncertainty, like where my next top hire is going to come from, <laughs> you know, like, why can I just control this? Like I cannot control it or a reliable source, you know, uh, obviously it's kind of like another business because it's another department really. <laughs> right. Esteban, so do you guys have actual lead managers in your company as well? So I know you guys are all about, you know, lead generation. Do you guys also have lead managers and actually like appointment setters? Yeah, so we we currently uh, again I'm, I think I've gotten real good at partnering up with the right individuals. Uh, we have lead managers that would uh, we call them. There's two type of lead managers that we have. There is the inbound only leads lead managers that would basically uh, we call them inside sales agents slash follow up specialists that would go ahead and call all the leads that have gone in opting in into the funnel and continuously do that until like appointment is booked uh, or live transfer is done. Uh, and also there's other, the other lead managers, which are going to go through the entire pipeline, make sure that the pipeline is organized, being followed up, that the leads are being touched, that uh, every single lead is getting the attention that they need uh, to, again, book appointments or do live transfers. That one is more like a, like a, follow-up specialist, whether that's like after the lead is generated or after the lead is claimed as dead, you know, that is the other type of one that we have. And that one requires a little bit more effort to get because the inbound one, it's uh, it's a little bit uh, more streamlined right now, but the, the, the second lead manager, we also call them appointment setters. Uh, yep. So we have appointment setters as well slash follow-up specialist slash lead manager doesn't matter what you call you know they have they have this mission right uh but that's that's something that we definitely do uh right now and i'm gonna start uh uh well we just started doing uh creative financing acquisition with an ex-client of mine so that we go through you know the Michigan market and the Florida market in order to acquire properties using using creative financing. So that's also a pretty exciting thing. It's a pretty exciting thing to do because creative financing is huge, especially yeah. you know is it right. is it pace morby? Is it pace? No, I wish it was Pace Morby. <laughs> I'd be like, man, you're in the big league. <laughs> <laughs> I just invested with Pace Morby on a four hundred unit apartment in Charlotte though. Oh nice. Uh, I saw that. I saw okay I didn't know who yeah. was. Cool, yeah, man. no, his name is Johan. And basically what we're doing is partnering up uh, to go after creative financing opportunities in Detroit. Well, just outside of Detroit, uh, suburbs of Detroit and uh, Florida. Uh, most uh, most importantly, is South Florida, because uh, it's our backyard as well. Uh, right. He used to be a client of mine and that basically he reverse engineered uh, how I did my marketing. And then he's like, oh, Esteban, I don't need you anymore. I, I just figured it out. 
<laughs> and I was like, oh man, are you serious? <laughs> Smart. Yeah, then, yeah. We, ended up, we ended up talking after, you know, creating a relationship. And uh, yeah, now we're partnering up. <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know? <laughs> man, that's cool. Yeah, you never know how it works out, right? Yeah. From <laughs> client to partners. That's what it's all about. Yeah, man. So man. I definitely, there's always opportunities for like us uh, do work in the future for whatever it is. I'm always open to work with like really great individuals for however I can bring value to you or you can bring value to me or to my team or to my family, whatever that is. I'm always there, guys. Okay. Um, man, we're going to, uh, so see, there's the next, the next CG event is in uh, Tampa in the end of June. Man, it would be, it'd be awesome to meet up maybe if you can drive up there because there's a lot of big players and uh, maybe you can get some business out of that. Let's do it. Should I join CG? Oh, dude. Yeah, no, 100%, man. Like these are like for wholesaling, these are the biggest, the biggest wholesaling operations. Yeah. So wholesaling or like investing? like uh, Mostly. So the biggest, I'd say it's the biggest wholesalers. Uh, there's, you know, some, some buying holds there as well. Some flipping. Um, but like, just to give you perspective though, so there is, um, you, I don't know if you heard the guy's name, uh, runs property force. I think they're out of Fort Lauderdale. So they're yeah. doing $4 million a month. Uh, there's Phil green from San Diego. Uh, forget the guys, the company name. They're also doing $4 million a month in flips and, and wholesaling. There's uh, Frank Cava from Richmond, big, big operation there. Um, Corey Brewer, I think from, uh, Pennsylvania, they're doing like, I think like over 200 deals per, per year or maybe 300 range. So like, yeah, just big, big gorillas in the business. You mean proper force, uh, the guy, uh, the owner, I think what's his name It's he ate Nielsen Solomon. Um, no, the, that's the Neil Solomon. I don't think it's Neil, but it's the guy. Yeah, he's the founder. I mean, he was, he, yeah, like he was, he was there at the, at the event. Yeah, he started it. Okay, interesting. Because uh, someone in the executive team of um, Proper Force lives in my building, and I haven't met him, but I have. Oh, to. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was just told this like two days ago, and Dude, I was the like, guy. The guy loves to travel, man. He's he's all about he's all about travel. So yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Hey guys, uh, I don't want to end this, but I do want to ask you a question. You guys talked about how having that physical human interaction with your team is super huge for you. And you've been doing this quarterly. I have a problem of like how to figure out I can get my team together and like put them into a place or like get them in so like they can meet the, the rest of the team, right? Because um, yeah. all of us are remote. Uh, are you guys doing that for your entire team oh, right man. now as well? Dude, you, you asked a fantastic question. It's in the works. <laughs> yeah, so we got a, a third business partner who's all about that. He's he's very much kind of like, man, we got we to meet in person. And he's leading our dispo side. And so what he's doing there is, is an experiment. He's like, guys, if we can get to a million dollars a month or close to it in two the months next in a row. two months in a row, we're going to all meet up together. And that team is rallying and pulling together like oh crazy. Oh my God. So, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm so not, tying an incentive to that just like a big, where the big, team comes together and works together, man, I, these guys are working 1am their time, picking up phone calls, 
reaching out to get creative solutions. They're so behind this goal because they want to meet. So it's yeah, creating that team culture and that team uh, camaraderie where they work together. Yeah, and I think that um, we you you mentioned something about how they need to perform to a specific level, and then they will get this. Yeah, uh, and I think that people just work on mostly on incentives, positive incentive incentivization, or whatever that is called. Mm -hmm. Part of my part of my English, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we do it in Spanish, and I try to learn <laughs> in Spanish. Next time, but it, it's such it's so amazing how you can tell people, hey, look, if we get this, if we get to here, mm -hmm. uh, and we're here, uh, you will get also this, mm -hmm. and how they're gonna work better, as opposed mm -hmm. to, uh, if you don't do this, you get this taken away. Mm. It's such a different and and mindset. drastic mindset and, and way of doing things because mm -hmm. uh, I used to I used to kind of be this person yeah. and, uh, until I learned to be a better leader. Um, mm -hmm. You guys are driving your team to help you beat two months in a row, a million a month, and that's a big goal. But how far are you guys to a million a month right now? Yeah, so. Uh, I think right now, this month, we're going to get to the biggest month that we've ever had. Uh, it's going to be about 660,000. 660, so uh, not quite there, but man, it's it's bigger than anything you know that we've had. We've so had humble. So freaking humble, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, we, get, we can get two of those months in a row. We're not telling the team, but the guys already said, man, if they can get... If they can get that level two two months in a row, we're gonna we're gonna make it happen because they're they're pulling out all the stops. Yeah, I think that um, the way that you guys currently operate and, and do everything, I think that's completely completely doable. What do you what do you think that you guys need to pull off in order to get there? Yeah, our biggest uh, biggest issue right now is a little bit. We've had some uh, instability on our lead manager side because a few of our folks just had big, you know, personal issues. One guy had a concussion, uh, big uh, concussion from playing rugby, so he had to leave. Mm. Uh, one guy had a heart attack, and then another guy, um, yeah, just had you know personal trauma and issues with alcohol. So, yeah, so we're you know actively hiring uh, lead managers to you know to fill in the gaps. I think once, once we get that and uh, then we get one more acquisition manager, I think, you know, with that, we'll, we'll definitely hit the million dollar mark and more. What are your requirements for lead managers? Said, you want to talk <laughs> about it? Uh, I mean, primarily fluent English, preferably yeah. having lived in the U S or, or sold to U S clientele. Sales is a big one, customer service, um, really a, a drive, a drive really driven by commissions, really driven by helping people um, and someone who's not burnt out easily over the phone doing repetitive phone calls day in and day out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Looking for somebody, you know, somebody who is who's hungry uh, and hungry and humble like mm -hmm. that's and that's yeah. that's key combination. Yeah. You, you put that together. And we can do, you know, we can do the coaching and man, see fantastic results. Well, let me introduce you to, to my team. I have, I have two, okay. Two teams for recruiting and two people that I go to. One is our internal, uh, remote Latinos, which is more of like Latino. Let's make it happen. 
And the other one is a uh, the recruiter that has been able to help me get like higher level skill sets, such as, for example, closers, um, such as, for example, operations managers, things like that, um, developers. Mm-hmm. So I can potentially introduce you to the man that that will get this type of individuals that fit your criteria. All right. Uh, obviously, there is many other uh, people out there that will even have a program to 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 train your call them appointment setters, call them follow up specialists, yeah, uh, lead managers such as Cole Gordon. I don't know if you've heard of him. Cole Gordon. Yeah, Cole Gordon has a really great program. Uh, it's called Closers.io, and uh, and he trains closers and he trains also appointment setters, and he also uh, places them, places them, but they are very expensive. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. but you can just go for the recruiting part of it, like you know what I mean, like because he has an entire program, and uh, you can speak with my. Uh, partner, um, he lives in my building, and we're really good friends. Um, and um, and he has helped me a lot find my closers and other clients' closers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Which in reality, a lead manager should be a closer mindset, but specifically focused on managing the leads in a way mm-hmm. to follow up and things like that. Just like what yeah. Tiffany T- Tiffany uh, talks about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, awesome. What about you? What about you, man? What's uh, what's your biggest hurdle right now? What's uh, what's your need? Great question. Uh, I think that one of my biggest hurdles right now is like finding the right leaders and executives in my company so that mm-hmm. I can fully like detach myself. So yeah. for example, managers, right, or like see executives. Uh, to do that. And, I, and it's also being, I've been complacent in like, I've been uh, very comfortable in not looking for them because I'm be like, oh my God, I'm just getting to that step now. And like, it's, it's kind of like this feeling, but I have to do it for the, for the best for my company. Cause I realize sometimes that I, when I step in into meetings, I am the freaking bottleneck, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's things that that I suggest that are not necessary, that are things that, you know, I, I put more work and pressure into the situation and when things are already flowing. Uh, and, and that's because I have these crazy entrepreneurs in mind. I'm really great at startups, but like once a company is like established, like, and it should, needs to grow, you just have to get it with like more clear-minded individuals that uh, are, you know, more leveled and not too crazy like me, you know? <laughs> they need to focus, That's yeah. Right. They need to be operating in their zone of genius. Exactly. Uh, so that that's kind of my thing. What, what, what suggestion do you have for that? <laughs> Man, that's interesting. I, I would say put together a really clear job scorecard of yeah. what you're looking for in that key leader. Um, be as specific as, po- as possible and, uh, you know, figure out how that person's going to help take that load off of your plate and, and then, and then utilize an assessment that zones in on their zone of genius to make sure that they're in the right role before you hire them. Yeah, for mm. sure. Love that. Definitely our uh, goal as well is to hire right. the right leaders so that we can step out and work on bigger picture vision. Yeah. You're using language that I love that people use. Um, honestly, uh, it's the operation side of the business, something that I feel like I'm, I'm good at, I'm not the best at, that I had to hire. 
and I ended up hiring someone for it, getting them into like different programs for it. Um, we looked at different operations and COO type of uh, programs that have helped really, really well. Um, but at the same time, it's something that is what's going to glue the company together, right? So is that what you're currently doing right now, Lisa, like in a sense, or what's, uh, what's, what's, what's your current main role and job? Yeah, it's, it's hiring for sure. It's, it's hiring the right people yeah. and learning how to filter, properly filter candidates in the right position. Yeah, so she's our, she's our you know, recruiter. She finds the talent and I am currently sitting in the, the CEO, CEO <laughs> role. Uh, but I would love to hear what, what are those programs that you're talking about that have uh, really. Yeah, absolutely. So there is, um, there is remote integrator uh, program. It's called remote integrator uh, by scaling with systems. It's a program that, you know, it, it's, it's a company that is really based on systems and operations. The owner of that coaching program in the company, that's how they scale their company. Uh, they're very systematized. They're very like analytical too. They're very like uh, process oriented and it was pretty great. So I'm going to take uh, my operations managers through that program. Um, and it's called Remote Integrator and the company Scaling with Systems? Scaling with Systems, yeah. And the other one uh, that I was looking into was obviously uh, EOS. Um, what was the... Yeah. yeah, but the program for them, I was looking into them, but I also was looking into COO Alliance, um, which is kind of like a higher level type of program that will take all the CEOs in order and take them through like an accelerator to, to, you know, to just to grow and help them grow the companies uh, to other levels. But the remote integrator one was pretty great, uh, you know, Definitely, 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 definitely. Um, and that's, you know, that's what we went through. Right on. Yeah. Awesome. There is also, oh, and there's one program that we took that prepares other operations managers because you know how like operations have the visionary and the implementer operations that one is going to be putting all the strategies, seeing all the opportunities in the operations side. And the other one will definitely be someone that will implement, be in there doing the things, can do things uh, in the operations side. Uh, that one uh, is done by Jana Lee. Uh, and basically she prepares your operators. She trains your operators to a level where they can be really good operators and uh, ultimately helps helps you help them because it's it's going to prepare anyone that has the capacity of functioning like that uh, become mm -hmm. a really great operator. Jana Lee, it, I had her in my podcast. If you hear her podcast, uh, it was it was a little bit short because like I was a little bit late for the podcast, but it was really great. I'm gonna have her in a second mm -hmm. episode. She has a program for it, um, for operators. Uh, let me check exactly what is the, there you go. Uh, she does, uh, a, she has a company called, uh, or a program called, uh, oh my God, I'm not getting it. 
where is it? Where is it? Uh, it I, I don't know. She basically takes a 360 uh, view on operations and put the operations degree on a remote company. Uh, and and yeah. she works with the CEO or like with everybody? Operators. So she, she's been CEOs on multiple companies, digital companies. And she uh, and she helps with she helps prepare and catapult the operators of other companies now of other digital companies. Got so it. operations managers, right? See uh, other CEOs too. That one is a really good one to do. And she has a very similar lifestyle that you guys have. Man, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be good to connect. Yeah. All right, brother. If you don't mind, uh, gotta kind of wrap it up here. Uh, any kind of last things you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. What What would you say? One of the f- biggest things that you would recommend people to really achieve their goals. They in the travel uh, nomad side and and just being able to live the lifestyle that you guys currently have. Like, what are those biggest things that you guys would recommend doing? Yeah, I think just like with business, from my perspective, I don't know if Lisa would agree. Just like with business, with travel, you, you just you just have to jump jump in. You have to dive in. Just freaking book a trip and, yeah. and go, and uh, you know you'll you'll figure things things out as you go along because you're never gonna be fully prepared. There's always yeah. gonna be obstacles. There's always gonna be reasons not to go. Uh, things pulling you back. So just like with business, man, get your get your ticket. Get your get your, out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone <laughs> and, and go there, man, and and fail forward. You know, there's definitely going to be challenges, uh, but you're going to overcome them. And last thing, oh, sorry, go for it. Oh, I just just to end with with this quote. It's my favorite quote, probably of all time. There are seven days in the week, and someday is not one of them. Ah, Do it now. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, and last thing is, how would you structure uh, your remote team in order for you to do this how would you structure your remote business in order to do this i know it could be like a big big question but like how how would you structure yeah. i would i would focus on you know use the the theory of constraints and focus on yeah. the biggest you know on the the bottleneck you know figure out what is the you know the the bottleneck in your business and attack that you know put somebody there that would you know, increase the capacity and then the bottleneck moves is going to be somewhere else in the business. Then find the bottleneck again, increase the capacity. So just keep going after the bottlenecks. Love that. And the last thing I would say is, um, you know, as the owner or CEO or COO of your business, uh, know what your strengths are and what you're not so good at. (laughs) And, And if you're not good at that, for example, if you're not a salesperson, Hire a salesperson in that position and step the heck out of it. <laughs> let the let the people do what they're the best at. <laughs> that is sweet. It's a it's a great uh, thing that we have learned all about you guys today. I think that um, I love to have you guys for a second episode. I really love having second episodes for people that we can chat forever and get a lot of content out of this. Just to let you know, if you have loved this episode, guys, for whoever's listening, just share this, like it, subscribe it in all the platforms out there for podcasts. Um, and at the same time, expect different different chunks, cuts here and there of the content in social media. Um, so that you can share with all your friends, circles, and other business entrepreneurs. Um, 
So that will be it for today. Thank you so much for having, uh, putting time into this. Honestly, it's been an honor, guys. Thank Muchas you, gracias, Esteban. Esteban. Yeah. Un placer. It's awesome, man. Hope, I hope I get to see you, brother, in, uh, in June. I hope that we can see each other because it's like right here in Tampa. Oh, before I go, um, are you guys going to continue doing this uh, when Nico is born? Absolutely. That's the plan. <laughs> That's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it depends on where the business is and what the needs are for us physically here. But absolutely. Yeah. I think it will be great for those parents that want to travel and have yeah. kids. Uh, like I'll probably to, shift my blog to parenting abroad. Ah, <laughs> uh, that would be a great niche. <laughs> again, what what's your blog again? Your uh, blog um, name? Culturalfoodies.com. Culturalfoodies.com. All right, yep. so people go follow at culturalfoodies.com. Yep, and then Instagram is at cultural underscore foodies. Okay, culturalfoodies.com. You got it. Yep. Nice. Cool. And Great. Then I love it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much right. for being here. Love Thank having you, you guys. Have Take an care. awesome day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.